You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you have come to the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it is very, very cool to have you tuning in. So thanks for joining us. In today's episode, I'm talking to Dan Gingis about how to get your customers raving about you on social media. Why? Well, because this month we're all about organic social media. And in this episode, you're going to learn about his five-step wiser process, which makes how to get your customers talking about you oh so much easier. It really does uh, make something which feels very, very complex really straightforward. I'm going to meet Dan in a moment, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today I'm chatting with organic social media expert Dan Gingis. Dan is the author of the best-selling book, Winning at Social Customer Care, How Top Brands Create Engaging Experiences on Social Media, and the co-host of the Experience This Show podcast. Hello, Dan. Well, hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Oh, me too. Um, I, you know, the the potential for social is something we're exploring this month, and I'm really interested to get into the that different angle we'll be talking about with you. But before we get into all of that, how did you get into social media in the first place? Well, I kind of fell into it. Uh, I was a 20 year marketer in corporate America. I worked for companies like Discover, Humana, McDonald's, and my last role at Discover, which is a credit card company in the U.S., was the head of digital customer experience. I managed the website and the mobile app, and I was assigned my first social media team. Now, no joke. If you go look on Twitter at the date that I uh, signed up for Twitter, it was the date that I got that role at Discover. Because I said, man, if I'm going to run a social media team, I better figure out this Twitter thing. And uh, that became my favorite social media channel. I went on to lead social teams at uh, Discover, Humana, McDonald's, and others, and, uh, and really get a sense for the channel. And for me as a marketer, because I had worked in almost every other marketing channel other than television, the first time I experienced social media as a marketer, I realized that the biggest thing that was different about it was that it was the only marketing channel where people could talk back to you. And I was immediately fascinated about that because it was the first time that we could communicate one-on-one with customers outside of the call center. And I thought that was a fantastic opportunity for marketers. And so I started focusing immediately in on more the service piece of social because everybody was talking about the marketing piece at that time people thought it was this brand new free broadcast channel where we could just you know shout our message and play our tv commercials and i looked at it as nope that sounds annoying uh, i actually think this is a channel where we can help customers and establish relationships with them uh, and so went down that path and 
you know, kind of the rest is history. That got me into first social customer service and then ultimately customer experience. And that's what, what we're going to talk about today, kind of, is the how you can make the customer experience so awesome, so wow, that they want to talk about you on social. So that's something which, which a lot of people talk about, a lot of people desire to have happen. A lot of people have it happen to their business without really knowing why, but there's not many people who manage to create it. You know, it seems to be something which either it works in the brand DNA or, you know, or you get tumbleweed. So how can a how can a retail brand, how can a business create a scenario where their customers are just wanting to talk about them? Well, I love that you asked that question because that's actually the subject of my new book coming out uh, in early 2021 uh, called The Experience Maker. But the short answer is I developed a five-step methodology that I call Wiser that uh, really teaches companies how to create positive experiences that people want to share. And it's based on this concept that the research actually shows people are more willing to share positive experiences than negative experiences. The problem is as consumers, we just don't have very many positive experiences. So when I do a keynote speech on stage and I ask the audience, how many of you remember the last time that a company completely wowed you in such a way that you couldn't wait to tell your friends and family? And like four people in the audience raised their hand. And then I say, how many of you remember the last time a brand disappointed you? And every hand goes up because that's what we experience. We experience disappointment. We experience missed expectations. Very rarely do we experience amazing, remarkable experiences. And I use the word remarkable intentionally because remarkable means worthy of remark, worthy of conversation. And if we can create positive experiences, people will talk about them. And as marketers, that's that word of mouth, holy grail that we've been looking for. So the five steps of wiser W stands for being witty, which is not being humorous. It's about being clever, using language to your advantage to stand out from the crowd. I stands for immersive, which is about creating experiences that people feel in their bones and that are consistent throughout the journey. S stands for shareable, which sounds obvious because we want people to share, but we have to give them a mechanism to share. And we have to find the right spot in the journey where we know they're going to want to share. And that does take some strategic thought to create that moment. E stands for extraordinary. And this is where I tend to get people who I can see in the, in the crowd, they start to get a little nervous because extraordinary sounds like it should be expensive. It sounds like it's about shooting fireworks off for your customers. It's not. It's actually about being just a little bit better than ordinary. Because as I said before, people share really positive experiences and really negative experiences. What they don't share is average experiences. So-so, meh. Pick your word. Nobody, nobody says, let me tell you about this perfectly average restaurant I went to last night, right? The average experiences are the ones we don't care about. So you have to, to be extraordinary, you have to be a little bit better than ordinary. And then the R and wiser is once you have used wise to create all these positive experiences, you have to be responsive. And that means being actively engaged in social media, not just using it as a broadcast tool, but having people monitor your account, respond to customer questions, complaints, compliments, any other comments to show the human side of your business. 
I love that. Five such clear steps. Um, and we will have to, audience, as soon as that new book is out, we will let you know. Make sure you're, sure you're on our email list. And I'm sure Dan will give you a way to get on his email list later as well, because it sounds like something we all need. So shall we explore each of, or I guess, which do you think is the most important of the five? Well, interesting you should ask that. I mean, the best experiences have a combination of some of them. So you kind of set the responsive piece apart because that is once you have gotten these positive experiences, that's what kind of what you do next. So really it's about being wise. And the best experiences have more than one of those letters covered. Um, but I would say the one I always suggest you start with is witty. And the reason is that witty is so easy to do. Now, again, this is not about being humorous or telling jokes, because after all, humor in marketing can be dangerous. Something I find funny, you might find offensive or vice versa. So we got to be careful with humor. But being clever, using more fun words and language, getting rid of industry jargon and acronyms and difficult to read language that can play a huge role in improving your experience. So what I always suggest is take a look at every communication that you have with your customers. It could be a welcome letter that you send. It could be an invoice or a receipt. It could be any contract or legal disclaimers that you send them. And look for an opportunity to make that language more accessible in the sense of easier to read and maybe even fun to read. There's a company out of Malaysia called iFlix, which is a, an Asian Netflix competitor. And like many corporations, they have this disclaimer at the bottom of their corporate emails that says, you know, if you're the unintended recipient of this email, you need to delete it or shred it or whatever. We take your firstborn child. And what iFlix did instead is, and I like to imagine this as sort of a, a, a sounds like a, a stand-up comics joke, a lawyer and a marketer walk into a bar. And then what came out of it was the disclaimer that iFlix uses in their emails. It starts with three words in capital letters, covering our butts. <laughs> now, when you see that, Chloe, at the bottom of an email, what are you likely to do? You're likely to read the disclaimer because that gets your attention. Interestingly, that's exactly what the lawyers want you to do is read the disclaimer. And when you read this disclaimer from iFlix, it does look like a lawyer and a marketer walked into a bar, had a couple of drinks and wrote a disclaimer. And it's fun to read. It gets across the legalities, but in a way that's readable and entertaining. And it, 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 creates an experience out of something that literally people just normally pass over. And so it's a lost opportunity. If you if you have a standard disclaimer, it's a lost opportunity to not create an experience where one doesn't exist. So being witty, you know, yeah, you got to find somebody that has a little bit of a sense of humor that's a little bit creative, um, but it really is fun. And if you think about how, um, I'll give you an example because I know your audience is an e-commerce site. So great B2B site. Uh, it's called Planable. And uh, Planable has a, a, a sort of a typical B2B site where you scroll and scroll and scroll. And every, every time you scroll down, you get some new information and there's graphics and all that. And finally, you get to the bottom of the page and it literally says something like, well, now that you're finished scrolling, maybe we should take an action. And there's a button that says, you know, learn more or something like that. And it's just cute. And it, and it makes you smile. It doesn't make you belly laugh. It just makes you smile. And it tells you this company has a personality. They're fun. They're probably going to be good to do business with. Uh, and so 
that's where I would start because I think it's the easiest. Um, I love the fact you've picked on witty because I think a lot of the time, especially in e-commerce, we think about trying to get people who bought a product to talk about us on social media, you know, to share a picture of the product. But actually, with with what you're saying about the focus on witty, it could be that they share some brilliant product copy that we've got on the page or a, a funky homepage or some cool marketing strategy we've done. So actually, the audience is not just those people who've actually bought from us. The audience is everyone who's visiting our website, which is a much bigger audience to potentially get someone doing something, you know, sharing and getting excited about your brand on, on a social media channel. Absolutely. And not only will they share, but they're going to be more likely to purchase from you. Because as the, if you think about what we look for in companies that we do business with, mostly, I mean, obviously, we want companies that are honest, we want companies that are fairly priced, all that sort of thing. But really, at the end of the day, especially now, we just want some level of humanity. And so we want to know that there's a human connection with the companies that we do business with. And, and that's why social is so powerful because that's where we connect with people. And yeah, we connect with brands as well, but the brands that do it right in social aren't sitting in an ivory tower speaking on behalf of the brand. No, it's Susie in the call center that's talking to me. And I know Susie because the last time I tweeted, Susie responded to me. And I feel like Susie knows me. And I have a relationship with this company because of Susie. One of the things I like to say is that I believe we've gotten to a point where competing on price is a loser's game. If you think about the gas or petrol station down the street, you know, if they change the price by uh, one cent, you know, and then the, the, the competitor copies it, eventually they're going to be giving away the gas for free. Competing on product has also become really difficult because everything's copyable today. Even the most, one of the most innovative companies in the world, Uber, had its entire business copied by Lyft and others, right? So what's left? We compete on customer experience. And the beauty about customer experience is that it is created by humans your humans. The human beings at your company are unique by definition. No one else has your human beings. And so your human beings can create an experience that is not copyable. Because if you went to the competitor, you might find the same product and you might find the same price, but you're not going to find that same human experience. And so that's really the message that I would leave people with is bring some humanity to your marketing and to your company so that people don't just know you as a logo, but they know you at, on a more personal level and they feel like you know them in the same way. The other one of the, the four in the whys that really has me thinking right now is shareable. Because I, my brain's going, okay, so someone's scrolled and they've scrolled and they've scrolled and they've scrolled and they've seen the message that says, well, hey, you reached the end of the scrolling, let's do something. I can't see them screen grabbing that off their own back and sharing it somewhere. But also, it'd be kind of weird if you had a tweet this button next to it. Yeah. Um, so how do we how do we make it shareable without it sounding like, hey, we wrote something really cool, put it on Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever else? The funniest thing about shareable is that the number one thing you shouldn't do is tell people to share. A friend of mine uh, once said, if you have to tell someone it's a selfie spot, it's probably not a selfie spot, right? <laughs> and so uh, let me give you a great example of a company that I think takes a lot of wise, maybe all four things, maybe not the witty, it's really the I, S, and E. Uh, but I'll tell you about the very moment where they make it shareable. So there's a company, uh, it's actually a, um, 
uh, a British company, a, a spirits company called Sipsmith. They make gin. And Sipsmith, uh, in the last year or two, uh, arrived in the United States. And what they decided to do is they took a look at the experience of uh, most liquor companies uh, do tastings. And that's how that's one of their biggest marketing efforts. But if you think about what a tasting usually looks like, you walk into a liquor store, you walk into a grocery store, and they hand you a little plastic cup filled with liquid, and you're just supposed to drink it. Now, those of us that have been out of college for a little while don't generally <laughs> drink that way anymore, right? We're not taking shots. So it's not a great way for me to experience a spirit for the first time. There was a festival in Chicago where I live, uh, and in, at the festival, there was a pop-up tent from Sipsmith. You walk into the into the tent, and the first thing you see is this impeccably dressed bartender. He's got the Sipsmith apron on. He's all branded. The, the bar is beautiful. It has their bottles. It, it, it looks spectacular. I walk up, and he says, good afternoon. First thing he says is, what kind of tonic would you like? Now, Fun fact, Chloe, I actually was a bartender in my previous life. I had no idea there were different kinds of tonics. But he taught me that there's Mediterranean tonic and there's citrus tonic and there's Indian tonic and all of them have different flavor profiles. Fascinating. So I choose my tonic and he makes me a gin and tonic. He then sends me over to the garnish bar. Now, most people know that a gin and tonic is usually accompanied by a lime. At the garnish bar, they had 16 different garnishes that you could choose in any combination. There were lemons and limes and oranges, but there were dried strawberries and rose petals and black pepper balls and all sorts of things that you would never think of putting in a drink. Okay, so now we've been really immersive and we've been extraordinary because we've stood out from other tastings. Here's the part where they made it shareable. As soon as I was done picking my garnishes, they took me to the third and final station. They gave me a little card where I could name my drink, and I wrote it on the card, and then they gave me a little tiny clothespin where I could clip the card onto the little glass of gin and tonic that I had made. Now, I have this moment where it becomes incredibly obvious without them saying anything that I'm going to take a picture of it and share it on Instagram. And that's what everybody did, right? And nowhere on there did it say, please share this on Instagram. But they added that moment in the experience where it just became a, if they didn't allow me to personalize my drink with the sign, it's probably, other, you know, then I'm just taking a picture of a gin and tonic, which is not that exciting. But a gin and tonic that's got a handwritten sign with the name of my drink that I made on it, that is something that I want to share. And so it's that moment. You have to find that moment. Um, when I worked at the credit card company, we found that customers were happiest with us the moment they redeemed their rewards because they felt like they got free <laughs> money, right? Like they're happy then. So if you're going to put a, a tweet this out, you know, if you're going to put a button on there, do it at the moment that you know they're really happy. And that's what we did because we knew that's the moment that people want to share. It's not just about asking people to share if, unless if you're not giving them something to share, right? So the best thing you can do is create an experience that is so obviously shareable that we want to do it without you reminding me. The next best thing is find the moment that you know people are happiest and want to share versus just putting a tweet this all over your site and kind of hoping that people find a spot. Yeah. 
Um, now, there's something you've said a couple of times whilst we've been speaking about the wiser process, which is, you know, you're, you've been praising brands, you've been mentioning the fact that it's not necessary to do W, I, S, and E in that order, or that if you can do one of them well, you'll succeed. So I just want to kind of explore that a bit. Is it that we should, you know, our aim eventually should be to be able to do all four plus the R, or is it that we should pick one and get great at it and that should work for us? I think that the experiences build on each other. And you can start wherever it makes sense for you to start. The reason why the Sipsmith experience is so remarkable is because it is immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. It's three out of the four. I wouldn't say it was particularly witty. I suppose if they really wanted to be witty, maybe they could have put some things in the garnish bar that were humorous. Um, but that wasn't what their that's not what their brand is about. And I don't think they needed to do it. Uh, but the fact that they had three of the four really made it a spectacular experience. When you look at my, uh, when you read my book eventually, or if you listen to one of my speeches, often companies can create great experiences with just one of them. And because all four of them on their own make you stand out. And remember, this is about being a little bit better than ordinary or standing out from everybody else. Most of the experiences that consumers have are what my millennial friends call meh. They're just there. They're not worthy of any remark. And so you don't, the bar is so low. First of all, that's the good news. And you don't have to high jump over the bar. You just have to step over it. You just have to be a little bit better than what's out there. And I think whichever of the letters you choose to start with, um, you can be very successful. And even if you're focusing on just one of them, uh, because they each in and of themselves make you different from the competition. One of the things that I love to share on Witty, uh, I, I really dive deep into signage, right? Now, you may say, oh, well, I'm an e-commerce company. I don't have any signs. Not true. There's actually lots of ways to have digital signage, right? What does the splash page look like the, when you land on your homepage? Is it fun in any way? Is it something that gets me, that puts a smile on my face? So I share lots of examples of signs, both physical in the real world and digital signs that get customers to think about your your uh, your company in a different way because you're using language that talks to them and that makes them smile and that one little thing can have a big difference on what a big effect on what they do next which is obviously we want them to dive in and spend lots of time on our site and look around and making somebody smile or laugh is one of the best ways to do that. Um, and what I also love about it is very intentionally, the four, all four letters are meant to be three things. They're meant to be simple, practical, and inexpensive. So you'll never hear me recommending to you that you shoot off fireworks or, you know, I, I very rarely talk about some amazing brands that do crazy, amazing experiences, but that no other brand could do because they don't have an extra million dollars in the bank to go create an experience like that. I'm not suggesting that you ever do that. It's actually the small things to me that add up much more. And so um, even just looking at how you communicate in the signage of your either physical store or e-commerce store is absolutely huge. If people are going to have to wait in line at your physical store or at your restaurant or whatever it is, what kind of sign can you put in front of them that makes waiting in line a little bit more pleasurable? 
right? Or or that shows empathy for the fact that you're standing in line, right? That that says, hey, we know we know standing in line sucks, and we really appreciate you. And don't worry, when it's your turn, we're going to treat you as if you're the number one customer of the day. That gets people saying, okay, I don't mind waiting a few minutes to have my turn. Love it. Well, look, thank you, Dan. We're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of organic social media. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Dan, so far we've gone deep into how to get your customers raving about you on social media. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of organic social media. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with organic social media, which of course does include how to get your customers raving about you on social media. How many times can she say social media in a couple of seconds? Dan, are you ready for this? I am ready. Can't wait. Excellent. Let's start with um, organic social media newbie advice. We've inspired someone to take their first step with social media. What do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? I'm going to give you the advice that I got from one of my mentors. Uh, to borrow a uh, signature phrase from Nike, just do it. Get out there and start posting. So many people get onto social media and the first thing they do is lurk. They just read and they don't want to post. They don't want to put their own picture out there. They don't want to put themselves out there. And today that's what people are rewarded for is being authentic and genuine and human. So go out there, start posting. That's what I did when I joined Twitter uh, back in 2000, whatever it was, 13. And uh, I started off with zero followers and not knowing what I was doing. And I learned how to use hashtags and I saw what worked and what didn't. And my following grew, my confidence grew, and I got good at creating engageable content. It just takes practice. It's a muscle like anything else. And, uh, and so just get out there and do it. Excellent. Okay. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve organic social media performance? One of my favorite tools that I use uh, is called Lately, and it's at trylately.com. And what it does is it allows you to plug in a blog post, a podcast episode, a video, and it actually extracts it all, all, all of the words out and creates dozens, sometimes hundreds of posts for you to put out there using a, a artificial intelligence. Now, yeah, you have to go in and edit them slightly, but generally they turn out really, really well. And so what I love about that is every piece of content that I put out there has a long shelf life. I can go make 50 posts about it and tell lately to post them out once a week for the next year. So I'm not spamming people, but I'm hitting people at different days and different times with the same piece of content. And if your content is evergreen enough that it's still going to be fresh, you might as well be talking about it for that long. The other great thing is that it allows me to automate a lot of my posting 
on a platform like Twitter, which then gives me time to go in and do the engaging in real life. So I automate the posting, but then I spend my time actually talking with people and responding and, and engaging with them, which of course makes them like engaging with me because they know that there's a, a human behind it. Oh, that's a top piece of advice. Okay. It's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance, but the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming, especially when it comes to social media. So what for you is the number one organic social media KPI? That is an awesome question. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is not a social KPI. And one of the things that frustrated me about social media, and again, running a bunch of different social teams in corporate America, is that most social media people think that social is somehow different from other marketing channels. That's why we've had this age-old debate of, well, we can't find the ROI of social. Why? We found the we found the ROI of direct mail. We found the ROI of email. We found the ROI of television. We know the ROI of billboards, but we can't find the ROI of social. That makes no sense to me. So the most important KPI is going to be for an e-commerce company should be clicks to your website. If it's not generating clicks to your website, which is ultimately what you need to then make a sale, stop doing it. It's not about likes. It's not about followers. It's not about retweets. That stuff is all fun. Those vanity metrics are nice to talk about, but no CEO is going to care about them. And at the end of the day, it doesn't move your business forward. So think like a CEO. How are, how is this making me money? And again, for an e-commerce, it's at a minimum bringing somebody to your website. Excellent. Right. Finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in organic social media? Ooh, um, I think that more and more people are moving to digital channels for customer service. They're frustrated with the phone. The pandemic has caused phone to be even a worse channel than it was before because hold times are so much longer. So people are coming to, so, to, to uh, digital channels and in particular, social is a big one. So if you're not ready to handle the R and Wiser, which is being responsive, then you're going to be in trouble in the next six to 12 months. Remember that when people reach out to you, they do so because they care, even if they're complaining. The worst thing you can do or the worst thing that happens to businesses is people leave the company without even telling you what went wrong or why they're leaving. The ones that are complaining to you are at least telling you, which means they're giving you a chance to rescue that piece of business, that customer. We have to take that opportunity because if we don't, that customer is not only a lost customer for us, but it's a gained customer for our competitor. So I think in the next six to 12 months, if you are not already actively engaging and being responsive with your customers, you're going to lose out. And to me, that is as organic as it gets because it is talking with your customers on a human level. Oh, good advice. Well, look, Dan, you've you've shared so much with us um, and we're very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let us know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Absolutely. Well, you can find me on my website at dangingus.com. That's D-A-N-G-I-N 
G-I-S-S.com. Uh, my company is called The Experience Maker. So if you want to go to theexperiencemaker.com, shockingly, it's going to bring you to dangingus.com. So he could remember whichever <laughs> one of those you want. Uh, I am on Twitter at dgingus and also very active on LinkedIn. And I practice what I preach. So if you reach out to me on any of those channels, I promise I will be responsive. Um, I do put out a bi-weekly newsletter uh, filled with customer experience tips and tricks and articles. I do it bi-weekly, which is every other week because I don't like spam in my inbox either. So uh, I try to limit the number of emails I send out. Uh, and so uh, hopefully each one is chock full of uh, valuable information. And presumably anyone who's listening who's desperate to get their hands on that book that's coming out next year. If they go to your website and sign up, that would be the first place to hear about it? Uh, yes. If you go to my website, uh, on the bottom of every page, you can sign up for the newsletter. And yes, that will be the first group that learns of when it is uh, available. And maybe even you'll find a special offer in there as well for my uh, newsletter subscribers. Oh, very exciting. Okay. Well, look, Dan, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast. You've been an excellent guest, giving us lots of uh, lots of good advice to go away and think about. And um, probably several of our of our listeners are now craving a gin as well. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry so, to make you thirsty there. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Chloe. Really appreciate it. So there you have it, everyone. How to get your customers, the visitors to your website, to start talking about you on social media. And it's all about that wiser process that Dan was explaining there. So that's witty, immersive, shareable, extraordinary. And once you've got one or two of those working, then you've got to make sure you are, are responsive. So that was that five step process that he ran through that will be in that new book coming out next year. For now, you can get his book on uh, customer service on social media. That, that looks it's great. I've got a copy myself. And you can get links to everything that we discussed, the full transcript of this episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. That is with an S, not a Z. Don't forget. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I strongly recommend you check out the one we've done with Neil Schaefer, because in it, he's talking about um, influencer marketing and actually turning your fan customers into influencers and, and nano influencers, in fact. So I think it sits quite well with the objectives of this one, even though the strategy and the way you do it is completely different. Now, if you've got questions on anything from this episode, from my interview with Neil, or anything to do with organic social media, really, you need to get signed up to our Q&A webinar at the end of the month. You can do that at keepoptimizing.com, um, or if it's already happened, you can watch the replay. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. And please do spread the word to your fellow marketers about the show, because the whole point of me creating this is to help as many of you as possible to improve the performance of your marketing. So spreading the word would be an awesome thing to do. You'll help them and you'll help me and you'll make yourself look awesome because you'll be telling about them, them about something that's going to help them. Everybody wins. Now have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.